This is episode six of Eat, Play, Sex. Here's a hot highlight for what's to come. That's who you are. Don't you want to attract partners who are going to embrace that and maybe even mimic or model some similarities yes. to that? Uh, I find that if we have these conversations early on in the first two, three dates, um, we get to find out if people are uncomfortable with who we are or they match up and they have a lot of comfort. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I find too that there's conversations we wish we could be having about sex or pleasure or, or intimacy and yet we're afraid to bring that up. So when a partner brings them up or a date brings them up, uh, oftentimes I find that whew, that opens a door for us to have some conversations that are much more sort of intimate and, and maybe uh, uh, you know, sexually focused. And if that's important to you, I say go for it. This podcast is for mature audiences 18 and over and for entertainment purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider before pursuing any of our topics discussed. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with your queens of climax, Dr. Kat and Di. The place to get play, sex, and nutrition talk straight to your ears. Side effects of this podcast may include more lovemaking, hormone harmony, spontaneous sex, exceptional orgasms, less sugar cravings, and more sex cravings. In rare cases, listeners experience a strong desire to try new sexual positions and lube with organic edibles. If you experience moods happier than usual, contact your Facebook friends immediately. Hey! <laughs> What's up, girlfriend? How was your weekend? Ma- oh, you wouldn't even believe it if I told you. It was, it was incredibly magical. <laughs> Like like unicorn magical? Did you see a unicorn? Oh wait, we're unicorns. I am a unicorn. Yeah, wait. I don't mind. even need you to. Just look in the mirror, and you're like, oh, I saw a unicorn this weekend. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I am Dr. Cat. I'm here with Diane Kayser. You're here with Eat, Play, Sex. I'm really, really stoked about this show today, guys. I the the guest that we have on today, Dr. Hernando Chavez is a dear friend of mine and the work that he does is just so needed men and women everywhere need to hear about this yeah i especially because (laughs) i mean selfishly we always think about you know we always think about things in terms of what's in it for me what what can i take out of this and sometimes we think that we're selfish for thinking that but really our whole life where we're here to learn stuff like we're here on our own journey and so yeah we have kids yeah we have significant others and yeah we're here to please other people but ultimately we're here to learn for ourselves and so when i was reading about dr hernando and when i was reading also or when we were talking about what we were going to talk about today it brought me back to the insecurity I had over the weekend. And I thought, Oof. what perfect timing. Sneak peek into Diane's dating life. Oh, yeah. Here we go again. Yay! <laughs> it was, it was, um, it was Saturday and, you know, the world of online dating, it can be so weird because people behind, behind curtains and you never know who they really are. Yeah. And so I just had these, these really great conversations with this one guy and we mm. talked for hours on end and Ugh. it was like a week long and I'm thinking, what am I doing talking to this guy for like hours? Like I haven't even met him. I should not be doing this and even express that to him. Like I shouldn't be giving you this much time when I haven't seen your face yet. Whoa, or even, laying you know, it your down. Penis, right? So like <laughs> I haven't seen your dick. I haven't seen your face. I haven't seen like your eyes. Are you wait, honest? Wait, wait. Pause. Did he fix that? Did he send you a dick pic? No, I don't want those yet. Yay! I mean, he barely even sent me a selfie and I was like, uh, are you hiding behind something? And so anyway, my intuition bells were going off and I, I we had this date planned for Saturday night and then he just full on just flat out just flaked on me. What? Yeah. How? How do you do it? Yeah, there was all this buildup because there's this massive hurricane in Orange County, which is crazy, you know, um, abnormal weather for nuts. us. Yeah. And it's he been said, raining. yeah, raining, trees falling in my neighborhood, trees falling on cars. We can't leave the house. It was like Armageddon. And I was thinking, and I said to him, I'm like, are we even going to get to meet? Like, this is crazy. And he goes, 
if it makes you feel any better, or he said, would it make you feel any better that I would do anything to make it up there to meet you? Oh, no, no, yeah. no, no. People need to be careful with their words. Yes. Don't promise me something yes. if you can't keep it up. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then get it up. Like you can't even, you can't get it up if you haven't even shown up. Right. So he didn't even show up. So it comes wow. time, it comes time and I'm working out and I'm getting all cute. I'm thinking I'm going to sweat, say so like real cute for him, you know? Right, and, and you know, I plan my day out. I've got like this outfit picked out, you know, get my girls, hair did. Get my hair did. Like guys, you got to understand we plan this shit for like weeks sometimes before. And, and I was thinking, okay, this oh, is what I'm going to do. I would have planned it for the day. So I didn't plan it for weeks. Um, but I was really excited and I was working out. I was juggling my soccer ball and he calls. <laughs> Hang on, pause. I was juggling you- balls. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he wanted me to juggle his balls because, yeah, um, <clears throat> or not. So he calls me and he's like, hey, um, can we do tomorrow morning instead? And I'm like, tomorrow morning? You're driving from San Diego. What do you mean? What do you want to take me out for donuts? And I'm like, why would you need to reschedule this whole thing? You said you would do anything to make it here on Saturday night. What happened to that guy? And he's like, well, I've got this, you know, I'm like, thing. And I'm like, you're just sounding ambiguous. This is just bells and whistles are going off. I'm just thinking, no, this is like the world of online dating. I don't know. And so I just went, no, this just doesn't make any sense. Wow. And then I went home and I started the pity party. And I went, what's wrong with me? Why? And then I, and then I went, okay, hold on. That's my reflex, but it's not my reality. Like, boom. And, and then I went, this is not me. This is not me. But I still thought to myself, did I intimidate this guy? Was I too much for this guy? Wait, wait, wait. Where'd that come from? Um, because I have heard many times from many men that I intimidate them, that my, mm. my, my power and my confidence and my success makes them feel like, why would she even need me? Mm. Is so, that, I think that that exact statement is what we're hearing a lot of lately. Yeah. Yeah. They intimidate me or on both sides, men and women. It's, it's yeah. this idea of intimidation. Well, what are we what are we attracting in these in these individuals? You know, what what is it that we're putting out there that these individuals are the ones that, that we're pulling into our field? That's where I went, Kat. I went, instead of going, what's wrong with me? I went, what am I calling into my life? Yeah. What am I attracting? What wounds from my past or issues that I'm having mm. with myself have I not gotten to the bottom of? Have I not... Um, nurtured Mm. so that I'm very clear with the people that I want to attract, the men I want to attract, the things I want to attract. And so that's why when you said that Dr. Hernando was going to be on today, I thought this is perfect because, um, I mean, we're going to get deep. It's not just about relational issues and like, you know, online dating. We're actually going to talk about porn. We're going to talk about getting it up and keeping it up you know, both the bedroom physically, um, mm. keeping up your marriage, keeping up your you know, intimacy, everything. So mm-hmm. I just, it's perfect. So yeah, Dr. Me Hernando, too. welcome to the show. Yay. How are you doing today? Amazing. Can you tell? Yeah. yeah. We're having so- a good conversation. It sounds like there's some dating, uh, uh, woes that are happening here. You know, it's become a pattern for me to be quite honest, Dr. Hernando. And I, I actually hear this as not just a pattern for me. It's a very common pattern in a lot of women and it's an insecurity in in men too that with this you know this this women empowerment you know era where we can do the things that men once did for us but then like the then then the men in the bedroom are, is thinking well what can i do for them if they're already able to take care of so many other things in their life so 
I think it's something that this is a show that's going to be great for men and women. So I want to turn the floor over to you guys. Great. Yeah, so we've got Dr. Hernandez. He is a licensed marriage and family therapist, my friend, professor of psychology and human sexuality, and a sex educator. He specializes in erotic minorities, LGBTQI, BDSM, the kink communities, and he has written and consulted for 14 instructional sex education media projects. Wow, that's so many... Um, he's a lot, also a lot of scripts. Yeah, a lot of scripts. <laughs> uh, he's also the sex columnist for sexpert.com and askmen.com. And you are also a contributing author to the International Encyclopedia of Human Sexology. That's so, so sexy. Your bio is hot. Ah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> sexy. Yeah. And it makes you wonder, like, with that many talents, I mean, what kind of talents would you have in the bedroom, too? So let's ask. Lots the, of talents. Let's ask the question. Will you get to answer one of two? Okay. So we're going to allow you to answer whichever one you want. Either, da 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 number one, what is your most embarrassing sex moment? And number two, what was one crazy diet or nutrition thing that you tried for the sakes of your sex health and body? Okay. Uh, let's go with that first question. Um, yes. You know what's happened a couple times? As I've been aging, <laughs> you know, the, the combination of working out or my body sort of, you know, kind of uh, uh, getting a bit older and sort of like needing a little more oil like on the hinges. Um, <laughs> Wait, I'll, I'll get like, you? I'm only 38. Oh, that's But I, I, I've got a history of being an athlete and, and working out. And so my body's kind of breaking down. So I've had a couple of like back spasms during sex. Um, certain positions like with your knee when you've got like swelling or, or you're like, yeah. you know, the tendonitis is acting up, you can't do and you've got to like, it, 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 yeah, the back spasms are the worst. <laughs> one, right? When you know you're what? in the middle, you're in the middle of the moment and you have to just, you just like freeze and like roll off and you're just like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> and you just like, stretch. <laughs> did she break you? Like that's the, that's the <laughs> initial thought that would go through my mind. Right, right. Like what did I do? What did I do? I'm like, nothing, just my body. <laughs> you know what could cure that? What's that? Yoga. I knew you were going to say that. Yoga. Let's do some yoga, yoga in a bedroom. You're like, you're like, this is actually my back orgasming right now. And <laughs> it's a backgasm and I need to do some yoga to calm myself. <laughs> well, it's, it's very true though. I mean, I don't always do the post-exercise stretching. So I think that has something to do with it. And then when mm. you're a little bit sore, you've got to take care of yourself before you can get into somebody. Whoa. I can totally see us making a, a movement of post-sex yoga. What about pre-sex yoga? Well, pre right. foreplay, foreplay yeah. yoga. Pre-sex yoga and post-sex yoga and during <laughs> sex yoga. Oh my god, I can't even tell you how many guys have said to me, "I I would love it if you did, you know, the splits on me while we're having sex." And I'm like, mm, "Maybe if you're lucky." Do you want to like break my legs? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and that's probably really comfortable and pleasurable for you too as well to combine like the splits and like sex or penetration. It actually is really fun, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Prove it. Just saying. <laughs> so that actually brings me, I'm, I'm thinking more on what Diane was saying about the social, political, everything that's going on right now. Uh, socially and politically, the scene right now, especially in regards to women empowerment and the rights, um, I'm seeing men and women wondering how they are supposed to interact with one another. That's in a way out of love and respect without offending or harming the other. 
I'm seeing men not really know how to interact with women in a way that they're not perceived as a creep or unsafe or, Mm. you know, disrespecting the woman and their and their sexuality and their empowerment and their, you know, rawr. But then I see them walking around on eggshells and I think it's inhibiting their ability to really be happy and healthy in the relationships with one another. Uh, so I really, I'm excited to bring you in. I'm a woman. <laughs> what are you seeing going on, Dr. Hernandez? Well, something that I see a lot of going on, and I'll speak first from, from, let's say, the male perspective, is an ambivalence that's happening with dating, relationships, and being your true self. I think that there's uh, an anxiety that's been built up as we have sort of shattered the, the binary model of, of gender roles and gender stereotypes. And I think there's a lot of questions people have about what kind of partner are they seeking? Are they the empower type? Are they the assertive type, the alpha type? Are they the beta type? Are they submissive or passive? And, and I think with that question of uh, within us, I think that creates this idea of anxiety or walking on eggshells. Mm. Um, I, I've always encouraged people uh, be authentic, be yourself, express who you are, what's natural for you, and then you'll find partners that will, um, you know, fit into that sort of that, that, that dynamic of creating kind of a yin and yang. But if you're being someone you're not, or if you're uh, walking on eggshells or trepidatious about uh, who you are authentically, um, you're going to find that, that you're going to be playing roles or you're going to be going in areas of discomfort. Um, for example, I find that uh, a lot of men actually do have a sensitive side to them or a romantic side to them. But they may feel that that doesn't appear to be masculine, and so they'll, sort of, they'll suppress that and try to be something that they're not. Uh, vice versa, there are some people that feel uh, – men who might feel more uh, alpha or more sort of uh, um, assertive in that sense. And they may feel like that might be intimidating or that might infringe on people's spaces, especially female partners. So they might pull back on that because they don't think that's what you know the, uh, the current state of, of dating and relationships would, would be most beneficial. Um, so I find that we're, we're sort of uh, trying to um, – navigate I think a, a newfound sense of empowerment uh, and, and I try to challenge men to, to say you know empowerment is not like a pie it's not like if they have a piece of the pie you lose a piece of the pie yeah. uh, everybody can share that it's not like this this uh, uh, um, I guess you could say a hundred percent where if you have fifty percent I only have fifty percent I just think that we can you know share in that empowerment and mm. a lot of men do get a little uncomfortable with what it's like to be with a strong woman uh, because they either may, may not have experienced that or they have sort of a, a certain sort of anxieties that that's going to take away some of their masculinity or empowerment. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, what, what you were just saying just, just struck a chord in me because I, I you know, the, using the, the visual of eggshells. So we step on eggshells, we walk on eggshells, and sometimes those eggshells will cut us and penetrate us so deeply that they become us. And then mm-hmm. we carry those eggshells with us from the last relationship. And all of a sudden, before you know it, we've got like dozens and batches of eggshells just in our feet. And we're afraid to walk again because of the last person that we tried that with. Oh, she didn't like that. So we become paralyzed because we feel like, well, we don't even know what people want anymore. So I think going back to that, who am I is really important. But you know, it is, it's, it's so trippy because I feel like this, this movement there, it's the question like, who am I? But I know it sounds super esoteric, but like, mm-hmm. how would you suggest people discover who they are? I mean, so that they, so that we can, of course, ultimately connect with ourselves and each other in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important for us to do a lot of our own self-work and that can include um, introspective self-help books and also therapy. I think is a great way for us to, to get inside of who yeah. we really are. 
um, mm-hmm. and, and try not to be someone that we're not because eventually that's going to, I think, uh, it's going to come out our true self. And then all of a sudden our partners are going to feel duped. Like, I, I thought you were this person, but now you're being, you're this person. Yeah. And are we really, you know, are we going to be creating sort of a good foundation of honesty and transparency in our relationships if we start off with sort of playing the part and acting, you know, a, a way that seems contrary to who we are? Um, I think that we need to, to seek out what is our strengths and then go with that down that path and that creates more confidence because that's what feels natural and normative and comfortable for us. Uh, for example, um, I find that uh, a lot of men really struggle with this idea of, of embracing feminism and, and this idea that feminism for some men can be a dirty word or can be something that uh, should be embraced. You think uh-huh. about it, feminism is really about equality and so many men would thrive and enjoy and love having more of an equalitative or egalitarian relationship. For example, um, the idea that men initiate sex, that's kind of an old sort of gender stereotype, but yeah. imagine if you can uh, talk to your partner about you know, empowering them to say, I would love for you to uh, initiate sex whenever you're feeling you know, horny or your libido is sort of rising, or um, you be the one that initiates a sexy text, or you know, that way we can sort of re- remove some of the pressures and responsibilities and share that with our partners. Um, in addition to like asking partners about sexual pleasure, um, you know, sometimes people will make the assumption like you must know everything about what sex or everything about women, and I just m- must mm. walk into a bedroom. And, you know, I can I can make anyone orgasm. When in fact, one of my greatest strengths as a as a lover and a partner is communication. Is yes. asking what they like, what they want, what feels good, what doesn't feel good, and then I learn. I, I always encourage men to have a mental Rolodex, you know, or a mental sort of CPU <laughs> where. Whatever you ask, you've got to remember, and you've got to apply that and, and continue to do that, and you'll find that we become great lovers in each of our relationships. We often don't walk into to a relationship because, uh, already a great lover. It's a sort of a dynamic process where communication is one of the foremost uh, tools that we use to create that. Yes, and I think a huge thing that lends to that is curiosity. I think maintaining a curious mindset it allows for that space for us to to give permission to explore and figure that out for ourselves Mm -hmm. and then at the same time you know you're talking about authenticity and and figuring out who you are a big part of that is being mindful mindful of your own self of your body reactions of how you are in these situations showing up with people and you know i just thought of something when you guys were talking what and you said, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but you said, you know, I wrote down this note is that, you know, the greatest sexual position or the greatest foreplay is communication. Yeah. And then I broke down the word communication and come is the first part of communication. <laughs> is that ironic? You, <laughs> you can't come unless you communicate. Like, yeah. truly, like, yeah. really the best come is when we come together to communicate. Come together right now. <laughs> I just came. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You so, know, a- another thing I see with men is uh, an increase, and this I think goes along with the sexual anxiety and also that walking on eggshells when we're not feeling confident or empowered within our, 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 our self-identity, which is this idea of rejection sensitivity mm. that it, you know, if, if we can be able to tolerate, let's say, not knowing everything or, or being able to ask a question and finding out the answer, and that might be different from what maybe we had perceived, to not beat ourselves up over it or to not lose sort of that sense of confidence or self-worth, especially our sexual self-worth um, in the moment. You know, everybody's going to have a different body. Everybody's going to have a different uh, uh, relational style, um, different likes, different strengths. And if, so 
we need to be more, in my opinion, more inquisitive, like you said, cat curious, but not get butt hurt over um, learning new information that might be contrary to what we initially believed or things we initially tried. Like, yeah. for example, going down, going down a partner. Uh, the more I go down on my partners, the more I realize everybody's different. And uh, if you yeah. try something and they're not into it, that's okay. You know, it's, it's just a, a, an explorative experience. It's trial and error, but it can still be fun and pleasurable. And you're still gaining knowledge so that you can get closer and closer to that connection and intimacy and sort of uh, that, that uh, uh, great loving kind of experience. Yeah, it unravels that tanglement that we create with each other. And this is, you know, we take it personally if they don't like something. Oh, I'm a bad lover. I'm I'm bad. I'm not woman enough. I'm not man enough. He didn't come visit me from right. San Diego. It must be me. No. <laughs> no. Right. The personalization piece. Yeah. I mean, so, so what you're bringing up with that San Diego example is that ambivalence that a lot of people experience, which I see a lot in dating. Like, Because there's so many opportunities for us to date and meet new people, whether it's the apps or online or whatnot, that I believe we have to do – kind of revert back to an older sort of mentality which is if you meet somebody like give them a chance commit yeah. to like getting to know them and and don't spread yourself so thin with eight you know six seven eight dates per per month and you're gonna be all over the place and i don't know i think people want to a feel desired and b they want to feel like people are putting in effort and if you're not able to do that you've got to ask yourself am i really giving dating my all Oof. my hundred percent Yes. Boom. Everyone listen to that. Yeah, repeat. <laughs> are you giving them a chance? Like a full committed chance. Are you giving dating? Are you giving love a chance? Like what we're going to be interviewing Renee Piani soon and she's amazing. Yeah. Um, she said something to me that just shook me up a year ago. And that was Diane, you're, you're investing so much time in your business. You're investing so much time in your health and your, you know, your fitness, but how much time are you investing in love? And I went, Oh, whoa. Because I'm just thinking, oh, it'll just show up. It'll be cosmic. I'll just manifest it. And it's like, no, you've got to leave that space. And you actually have to dedicate energy into it. And then I hear people say, oh, well, but that's like a desperate thing. You know, if I'm investing time in love, then that just means I'm desperate for love. Yeah. Like, no, everything. If you want anything, you've got to set forth some goals and make some space for them to show up. Cock blocks. Yeah. Like I yeah. sleep on one side of my bed because one day I want someone to sleep on the other side. I want to sleep in the middle. So sleeping, speaking of sleeping, <laughs> I'm curious with all of this that's happening, what are some of the most common sexual issues that you see occurring with the male population? Um, well, it depends if you go internal inside of a man's mind and experience or if you go external. So Oosh. if we went internally, I find that sexual anxiety or sometimes known as performance anxiety um, or body issues or lack of confidence is a huge component to a lot of uh, male sexual psyche and male relational and dating psyche and if that is either fragile or shattered or uh, has some type of compromises involved you're going to find that that's going to become an issue with your approach to people to partners to your um, uh, confidence within the let's say a dating experience even if you're in the relationship it's going to oftentimes become an obstacle to getting close to creating intimacy um, so I feel like the internal anxieties that we experience really do uh, set ourselves up they're self-sabotaging yeah. Um, I also find externally a lot of these that, – that internal anxiety can fuel or, or behaviorally be expressed with erection difficulties, with early or delayed ejaculation difficulties, um, a disconnect with intimacy I see a lot of. Yeah. Uh, not knowing how to get close to a partner and mm. wanting to get close but not really knowing if it's okay or if the way that they're doing it is, is being sort of received in a way that's uh, uh, excited and, and wanted. 
So there, there's a lot of men who want more touch and want to connect, but just don't know how to do it. They don't know how to take those first few steps. And there's a lot of fear that there's going to be a rejection piece or a, a, a lack of sort of reciprocation. So what would be a few ideas for you for men that they can take to make those first initiations? I always find that, you know, I, I do go back to communication a lot because that's how I think we start to address some of our anxieties and some of our fears and worries. And then we also get the information that can help us better understand um, what it is our partner wants and how we can sort of work together to create that. Uh, asking our partners um, what they desire in, in with pleasure. Asking our partners what they desire in a relationship. Asking our partners if there are things that we do that they really love or really don't love. Mm. Um, that could be both uh, experiential, that could be behavioral, that could be relational. Um, we don't get a lot of information. Like if you think about how, how little we really communicate about our wants and needs and desires, uh, it could be non-sexual or sexual, but I don't think we put forth that effort. If you look at traditional relationships uh, here in Western cultures and especially America, um, we're putting in 40, 50, 60 hours a week with, with our jobs and work, yeah. and we kind of get the scraps for our relationships. We're yeah. tired, sleepy, we're, you know, maybe after work we work out and we do take a couple self-care t- uh, uh, steps, but then we get back and we have just a few minutes or hours with our partners that oftentimes is in front of the TV or in some way disconnected. And how often do we take the time to sit with each other and get to know them on a mm. deeper level, an intimate level, a sexual level? Um, and does that help with people feeling more confident with knowing what their partner wants rather than making misconceptions or assumptions of what they want? So when would you suggest the best times to have these conversations are? Because I can't imagine when you're in reverse cowgirl having these conversations about what you... Or on the splits. Or on the splits. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tell me how you feel right now. (laughs) Or what do you like? (laughs) Let me ask you this. If you're out on a date, um, how often do you start talking about things like, I want children, or uh, here's the religion that I, I practice and I want somebody similar to that, or here's my political beliefs. I'd love to have somebody you know who has a similar mindset. Or, or I mean, how often do we wait to discuss those things? I, I, I guess we're the wrong people to ask because Dr. Kat and I are pretty good at communication, but I think that the average person or the average date is not. They're pretty shallow with their, their conversation, I, would you say? So yeah. So what would be a few first good topics that break the ice that might get them closer to feeling like they have better clues so that they can make the move without feeling rejection? An important question for us to ask is how often do we talk about sex? How often do we talk about pleasures? You know, with all these other examples of, of uh, what type of religion we want to, to practice with our, or if we want to have babies or what are our political beliefs. I mean, these are examples of things that we talk about in those first two or three dates to find out if a partner is right for us. But why don't we talk about sex and pleasure and relational and intimacy? I mean, those are things that we sometimes avoid, in my opinion, because we have a, a, a great discomfort with sex and intimacy. Yeah. And I attribute a lot of that to our poor sex education and our lack of, of comfort with sexuality mm. because we haven't been exposed to it growing up. Yeah. In fact, it, that's one of the top five most difficult conversations to have research shows. Really? Yeah. You Sex. know, I, I'm actually pretty open and okay to talk about those things, but I find that sometimes I feel a little fear that they're going to think that I'm just this horny unicorn beast and that's all I'm out for because it, it is something that is not very well received on the other end either like Mm. oh if those are the questions she's going to go after then that you know then they immediately might think oh well i'm just going to label her as just sex 
And I have a little of insecurity bringing that up because I'm not sure how they're going to receive it too. Well, so, try being try well, being a sex well, therapist. I know, right? <laughs> but what's wrong with that? Nothing is wrong with it. If that's who you are, don't you want to attract partners who are going to embrace that and maybe even mimic or model some similarities yes. to that? Uh, I find that if we have these conversations early on in the first two, three dates, um, we get to find out if people are uncomfortable with who we are or they match up and they have a lot of comfort. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I find too that there's conversations we wish we could be having about sex or pleasure or, or intimacy, and yet we're afraid to bring that up. So when a partner brings them up or a date brings them up, uh, oftentimes I find that whew, that opens the door for us to have some conversations that are much more sort of intimate and, and maybe uh, uh, you know, sexually focused. And if that's important to you, I say go for it. What kinds of questions do you think would be good to lead into that would be kind of like foreplay to get, you know, open the door up to it? Uh, I find that it's great to go from general to specific, and it may not be that I want to tell everybody that the first date I'm on with them all the specifics about my sexual interests and fantasies and desires, but I think it might be important for me to say, you know, I'm a really open-minded person sexually, and you know, down the road, I'd love for us to talk about that more. We can have more and more dialogue about who we are as sexual beings, and I'll leave it at that. Um, they know it. I'm open-minded. They also know what I do for a living, and so it sets the stage for us to begin to have conversations down the road. I may also say something like, you know, I grew up Catholic, but I'm no longer religious because um, I find that religion isn't something that really fits into my world you know, as, as an adult. Um, so I'll leave it at that so they know, okay, he's not really going to go down the path of maybe attending you know, uh, a church with me down the road. And, and so they're going to be able to start formulating some of their ideas about me based on what I'm giving out. Um, and then we can, you know, date two, date three, date four, talk a little bit more in detail about that. Um, I also invite people to dialogue with me. Like, if you have any conversations about relationships or dating or sex, I'm really comfortable and open-minded about it. So, if there are things you want to talk about, I'm open to it. And and allowing that space and that platform for people to express themselves. And I find that people oftentimes take that bait and take that carrot and sometimes run with it. Where would they? Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, so like date three, date four, I have my rope and my handcuffs <laughs> in my purse and. And whipped cream, and I say, "Hey, so I, I'm open-minded," and I pull those out, <laughs> right? If if that's the way it progresses, if you set the stage in the first couple of dates, why not? <laughs> okay, okay. So he, so I, I, me and my simple mind, you know, there, Kat's got much more color with her sex life, but um, I want to have more color, so I still want to know what would be some like an, examples of appropriate questions and this might even be for even couples who've been married for decades who've never really had this yeah. conversation so like not you know open up this stage by saying hey you know i'm open about you know or i would like to be more open you know in a, in a couples let's say setting so what would be a couple good questions like that would be safe for anyone that wouldn't be too let's say aggressive to start with well, if it's a if it's a couple that's already been married or sexual for for time being, I think you can revert back to the things you're already doing and and get more input, understanding, maybe uh, uh you know explore a little bit deeper. So, for example, if you're already having oral sex or intercourse, why not ask? You know, you already have oral. Um, what are the things that you like that I do? What are the things that you wish I would be doing? Uh, and something as simple as that can open the door. Now, if your partner's not willing to, to, to have that type of conversation, I think that's also information for us to know that you know, maybe there's a need for us to find someone who might be able to open that door. Uh, a professional, like a sex therapist, for example, can sometimes that third-party uh, input can open the door for people to empower themselves to have more communications about, about their pleasures. But I don't see why we can't do, take what we've already been doing and explore that more in detail 
And does that open the door for us to get more comfort with sexual dialogue, sexual communication? And then we can you know, transition into maybe more uh, newer topics or more challenging topics like expressing fantasies or uh, discussing maybe some of our turn-ons or maybe some of the things that we keep secret like the use of porn, which a lot of people in relationships are using porn, but they don't necessarily talk to their partners about it. Or masturbation, for example. A lot of people wow. are masturbating on their own but not talking to their partners about doing this. So why keep some of these things that can be enhancing to our relationships so secretive? I actually want to stop there because you mentioned two really hot topics, masturbation and porn. I really want to talk about porn because there's so much discussion out there. Is this good? This Is this bad? It's a sin. Don't watch it. It ruins marriages. It ruins relationships. It ruins your self-esteem, blah, blah, blah. What, from your perspective, what are what would you say about porn or in its role? In right. Our- well, let's first talk about how, how often people are, are watching porn. And, and when you look at studies all across the, both America and internationally, you'll find that the, the ranges are pretty broad, but you'll find that for men it's about 50 to 99% of men are viewing or consuming porn, uh, and about 30 to 86% of women, um, and that's according to a 2014 study by Height. Wow. Um, so a lot of people are using porn. A lot of people are watching it. And with those studies, not everybody's reporting what they perceive as porn because erotica or softcore – um, can also be considered, let's say, erotic and sexual, but not necessarily their version of what they perceive as porn. Mm. Some people view porn as being hardcore, or um, but they don't see their their softcore Cinemax or some of their erotic movies as being sort of um, uh, pornographic. So yeah. those numbers are going to be kind of low. So um, that's that's the same with Instagram hotties and YouTube videos that are to the music mm-hmm. videos that are super sexy and dancey. Right. And, I mean, I don't know about any of those things at all. <laughs> you know, and, and then then the, uh, with couples, for example, we, we know that about, you know, there's a study by Matt out in 2011 who uh, found that about 44 percent of couples, men and women in America, um, report watching some of that media, some of that sexually explicit material with their partners. And what we're seeing with with, uh, subsequent research on top of that is that when partners watch porn together, they actually rate their sex lives, their sexual satisfaction is higher, and in turn, there's a connection and a correlation with the relational satisfaction, which makes sense. When my sex is good, typically my relationship feels good too. Like There's a correlation between the two. Um, So we've got to ask ourselves, if we're keeping this stuff secretive, if we brought it into our relationships, could that be a relational enhancer? Could that be something that arouses our interests? Could that also be something that shares a little bit about what's going on in our sexual psyche up here, whether it's fantasies or desires that our partners may not know? Because what I see a lot in my office is when people are watching porn separately or or sort of secretively, what they're watching doesn't always match up with what they're doing. And is that an issue in our relationships? Are we fantasizing and sort of dreaming from an arousal perspective about certain experiences but not living them out? And does that create wedges in our relationship? Um, I think it does. I think that if we're fantasizing and desiring other things, but we're not bringing it into our real world, I think that can be a potential for a wedge or an obstacle in our relationships. Wow. It's like conditioning or imprinting our sexual arousal one way, and then we're trying to force an arousal in another way, and it's not matching. So, of course, we have trouble with getting aroused. Right. Wow. Yeah. Oh, sorry. One, in, one, one area in particular is I find that a lot of men desire trying anal sex or wanting to experience anal sex. And plus, I see a lot of porn that is focused on anal nowadays. It's a very common kind of sexual behavior in pornography as opposed to 30 years ago, for example. 
yet they're not bringing this conversation into the, with their partners and not necessarily try, wanting to engage in it with their partners. Um, so you'll find that there's a disconnect, what they're watching and turned on by versus what they're communicating and doing with their partners. So that's a big piece. Wow, so that's very something, something very specific that we're finding people doing to cock block themselves. Right. Uh, what else would you say are some specific ways that people are getting in their own way? Um, you know, this, this, for example, the social acceptance of, let's say, porn, if we're, ta- if we're still focusing on pornography, uh, mm-hmm. there was a study by, I believe it was Carol and, and uh, her associates in 2008, and he talked about the, the acceptability of watching porn and how people felt about, felt about it. Of the, of the study, they found that 67% of the men and 49% of the women um, felt that it was acceptable to watch porn. So you have a lot of people watching it but feeling really bad about it. Oh, you know, wow. Those numbers. So what is the guilt and shame mechanisms that are created within us when we're doing something that feels wrong or feels sort of societally uh, uh, stigmatized? Does that create any type of, of locks within ourselves and our sexual psyche about feeling free and authentic and embracing our sexual sort of self and orientation? Yeah, wow. So it's the, it's the mind, it's the, the cock block of our mind. No, I'm wondering, I, I've heard, I think it was you saying this earlier, that would there be less shame in watching porn if we feel like we're almost looking at ourselves having sex in the mirror? So like if you're watching porn, um, you know, a couple and it's someone who looks like your significant other or your partner? Mm-hmm. You know, I find that, that because there's such a, oftentimes a disconnect with what people are watching and what they're experiencing with their relationships, I think it's important to find a, sort of an interaction, a fusion of the two. Um, it can help people feel better about the, their use and also can bring that, that open dialogue and open experience with their partners if they're watching it together or at least knowing about it. Um, one thing I've seen is that uh, when I've had, let's say, a disconnected relationship in my office uh, and they're watching porn that's very different from their partner, I encourage them to you know, start exploring porn that maybe uh, resembles maybe their partner. For example, if your partner is brunette and short and you're watching tall blonde videos and if your partner likes uh, uh, certain accessory behaviors and you're watching other behaviors, try to integrate those and see if, if that creates sort of transitions some of the arousal from your porn use into your relational real use. Mm. Uh, I find that a lot of people actually really gravitate towards that and they find you know, certain uh, videos or performers that, that resemble their partner that actually can help sexualize and, and create more arousal towards their partner um, by creating that transition. So we're talking about arousal issues, and I'm wondering, so for men with um, how all of these affect erections or, you know, early ejaculation, delayed ejaculation, um, what we're seeing essentially just penile, penile health, penis health, penis, penis health, health. <laughs> pH, pH balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, what? I guess I'm. Pause. So, I don't know so I, I think that we the wrapping up the show. We started the show talking about how there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of insecurity with men, and there's the intimidation factor. And there's the rejection piece to all of this. 
And so in, in order to boost confidence so that, 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 and this is specific to men right now, so that they feel more connected to themselves, they feel more confident in the bedroom. There's obviously things that women can be doing or men for men, whoever, whomever that relationship is, their partner is doing to make them feel more confident. So there's that. We each have to own that. So we can also, you know, we strong women can also be little men very easily now because of our strength factor. So we have to be mindful of that. But for the men, how can there's issues with um, getting it up, keeping it up, and in what Cat was just Dr. Cat was just mentioning. So what are the things that that men can do to improve that that piece so that we can all have better sex together? Sure. So it specifically you want me to talk maybe more about the male sort of side of it. Yeah, please. Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, I think there's an internal and external piece that we have to look at. So from an internal, if we look at the minds and the brains of, of, of men, um, you know, we have to, I think, reduce anxiety. I think that there's so much anxiety that people are experiencing these days um, that that inhibits our functionality. So for example, I even have clients who come into my office and say, look, I was prescribed Viagra. I was prescribed Cialis. It worked in the beginning, but it's no longer working now. Yeah. And we're you know, and this 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 power of the mind over, let's say, a PD5 inhibitor like Viagra is is becoming more and more prevalent. I see this that they're so anxious that it overrides maybe the effects of, let's say, a, 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 an erection pill. That tells me that anxiety is really strong, not only in, in this particular client, but maybe in individuals overall. So I think we need to work on uh, reducing anxiety. How do we do that? I think that communication is one route, but I think that we also need to work internally with, let's say, meditation and mindfulness. That's a huge part of my practice, um, helping men become uh, more relaxed. Because when we're relaxed in the bedroom, typically our bodies seem to respond, whether it's the circulation, uh, sensation, and neural sort of pathways awakening. Um, I find that it's, it's a, a, a wonderful sort of uh, uh, internal mechanism to, for us to reduce the anxious responses that can inhibit our pleasure. So uh, I really encourage that. Wow. Um, externally, I think there's things we can do like behavioral uh, work. For example, men should be doing Kegel exercises. Uh, most men that come into my office have never even, either heard of them or they don't do them. So that's an important area. I want you to uh, change your diet, increase your workouts. Uh, I want you to do Kegel exercises, and I, I want you to work on that sort of internal anxiety reduction through relaxation exercises, breathing, and mindfulness. And typically with those four, I see a lot of benefits to them being more comfortable and confident with them engaging in that next step, which is let me talk to my partner. Let me start sort of challenging some of my fears and being able to bring up the difficult conversations about whether it's about my own insecurities or inferiorities or our relationship or maybe our pleasure. There's something that you just said too about, you know, I, I think about oxytocin uh, and that's, that's the love hormone, that's the bonding hormone. And I feel as though we've talked about this on a couple other shows. So I'm going to recommend you guys have a listen to those ones if you haven't heard them yet. But oxytocin also boosts our desire to even have these close conversations and the confidence. So you just mentioned changing diet, which would also, you know, boot, you know, in the, through the gut uh, and the bacteria there improve oxytocin levels, the, the love hormone, the cuddle hormone, the connection hormone. So, um, I think that's one of the bits to this, but also with Kegels, where would you recommend that people, um, can find some actual good data and recommendations on how to do those? Because I know there's a lot of bad information out there. Mm -hmm. uh, so for Kegel exercises, you know, a couple areas you can look at. Um, if you're looking for information, um, here's, a, here's a little bit of a self-plug. I wrote an article on Kegel exercises on sexpert.com, and there's some information there uh, regarding 
ways to uh, incorporate Kegel exercises to strengthen your pubococcygeus muscles and your pelvic floor muscles uh, for men. Um, there's also a, a, a particular, you know, there's not many, um, let's say, novelty items or training regimens for men, but there is one in particular called Private Gym, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, it does offer a, a computer-generated sort of uh, program in addition to um, weights that can be placed on the penis that can help with resistance training for people to build that strength in those PC muscles, uh, PC being pubococcygeus. Um, mm. The more, you know, we do have a relationship and a, a research that suggests Kegel exercises for men can strengthen those, those muscles, and that can be positive for circulation and also with erectile strength uh, and, and uh, experience for men sexually. Wow, that's amazing. And, it, and I think that's something that we don't talk about mo- enough is that there are toys, that there are tools for men and sexual, uh, sexual tools. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think tools are male not sex toys. Yeah. <laughs> male sex toys are really important. And if you can get into them and get past the anxiety of using them, um, they're fantastic to enhance relationships. Amazing. So we want to wrap up the show and I'd love to hear what your three tips, tips, <laughs> just the tips <laughs> every time, every time, uh, that you would want our listeners to take away. Okay. Three tips. Uh, first one is, um, look inside of yourself and find your authentic sexual self, um, whatever that may be and the end. Share that with people, honor that, um, create sort of a, a, a transparent yet authentic self, and you'll find that you're going to find partners that are going to respond to that, and that's going to be the beginning foundations of, of a much more of a positive sort of relational experience, both relationally and sexually. So one is authenticity. Uh, two, um, take care of your mind. Uh, men oftentimes don't get into, um, let's say, anxiety reduction, breathing, meditation, relaxa- relaxation exercises. So I encourage you, you know, there's a lot of stressors that we experience out there that are inhibiting our relationships and sexual lives. Um, challenge the anxiety. And one great uh, suggestion is to download, let's say, uh, an app like Headspace, which has um, uh, specific training regimens with breathing that people can do and the guided imagery and meditation exercises um, that can be very helpful for you to train that brain, to train that amygdala to be uh, more uh, sort of affect regulated. Uh, and three, the external, you know, work on your body. So the, the, the food that you put in your body, the, uh, the, the dietary piece, the exercise piece, try to work out, you know, three to four times per week for more than 30 minutes if possible. Incorporate the muscle building and the cardiovascular uh, work because that, because, um, the mind and body work together. There's a synergy. And so we have to look at both of those. So from that body perspective, do your kegels, uh, eat right, exercise regularly and, in addition with those other two, I think you'll find that your sex life and just your overall well-being I think will improve. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, I just took from that mindful, dickful. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag. If you're more, the more mindful you like are, that. your other mind will be full too. Because, you know, they say we've, men have two brains. So if you're mindful in one, you're going to be mindful in the other. And everybody's happy. And yeah, we have a happy, healthy, horny sex world. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. And Thank the truth you. is, that's not just for men. I think that you know yeah. all people, yeah. trans folks, uh, women, anybody you know, can really take those three tips, and, and that can actually enhance anybody's world. So awesome! That was just a that was like the all the colors of the rainbow of life. This was not just. I mean, this all everything that you just talked about. What I love about it is can be applied to anything in life. Yeah. So Very amazing. Inclusive. Yeah. 
Well, I guess we got to wrap up. I'm bummed. I don't want this conversation to end, but we do have more coming up. So (laughs) thank you so much for being here with us today, Dr. Hernando. We really appreciate it. And we will be putting all the show notes below on how people can find you and as well as the article. So um, thank you again. Is there any one particular quote you want to leave everybody with? Oh, just live, love, and be healthy. I think that life will be much grander if we can do those three things. Yes. I'm going to make a meme out of that. (laughs) (laughs) Meme worthy. Just for you. Meme worthy. (laughs) All right. Until next time, lovers, stay sexy. And remember that sex Sex matters. Thanks for tuning in, lovers. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel. You can find out more about our guests and topics from our show by checking out katmeyer.com or diankazer.com. Until next time, don't forget to nourish your sex life.